Uh, as you know, before my break, uh, uh, filling in for pastor, we were in a series on the Lord's Prayer entitled Pray Then Like This. And tonight I want to finish that series uh, with the last petition, which was part of Jesus's prayer, which was lead us not into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil. And how many of you know there's an evil in this world that would love to deceive us and, uh, and love to destroy us? Amen. There's an evil that lurks outside of our door every single day. And I'm not just talking about the door to our house. I'm talking about an evil that lurks outside of the door of our heart or the door of our lives or the door of our mind, maybe the door of our marriage or any other, any other area of our life, church. It's an evil that is watching and waiting to see if it can gain access or entrance into our life into our mind or into our heart, maybe into our marriage, into our household, into our family, into our finances, even into our ministry if we have a ministry. It's an evil that, according to Genesis 4-7, crouches at our door, and its desire is to have us, the Bible says. You see, the evil that I'm talking about doesn't dress up in some deep, dark, black costume and ride on some dark horse. It, it doesn't show up in some ghoulish costume with a frightening mask. It's the kind of evil that hides itself and it disguises itself. It's the kind of evil that dresses itself up and makes itself look good instead of evil. How many of you know that if the devil showed up in a pitchfork and showed up in a red cape, you'd probably avoid him? But the evil that I'm talking about, it makes itself attractive instead of ugly. It makes itself inviting instead of repulsive, church. And every day, this kind of evil will try to entice us. The evil that I'm talking about will try to entertain us and it will try to seduce us. The, the evil that I'm talking about will track us, church. It will watch our every move. It will harass us and it will tempt us into compromise. It'll tempt us to loosen our standards. It'll tempt us to ease up on our ethics and lighten up on our prayer life or lighten up on our word life. It'll it'll tempt us to give in to its demands for our attention and demands for our affection, church. Every day, this evil will try to overtake us and overwhelm us. And it's why every day we need to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And that's what we're going to wrap up our series with tonight, which is titled Deliver Us from evil. Being that we're at the close of this series, I'm going to touch on the whole series as we go and focus on this last petition from God. But I need to close it up and wrap it up, so I'll be touching on the entire prayer as we go. But before we do, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and be in your presence, God. I thank you that there's no other place that the people that are here would rather be than in your house, and it's why they're here. So I pray, God, that you would reward their diligence and their faithfulness, God, and that you would speak a word into their life that would encourage them or empower them, God, or strengthen them or, or teach them something that they didn't know. 
God, we need your anointing tonight, and I pray that you would rest upon me, that you would touch my mind, my mouth, my words, my heart, everything that's done tonight, God, that you would receive the glory and the honor and the power and the praise. We ask that you come against any distractions of the week, any cares of the day, God, and let us just focus on you, God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to receive God. And as we prayed already, every need that's represented in this house, I pray that you would meet it in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. One of the things, before we um, really get into the, the, the meat or this last petition, I want us to remember that I've based this entire series on Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And it's after one of the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Jesus said to them, when you pray, pray then like this. And I'm not going to recap all of that. He spent time telling them how to not pray. But then he turns around and he says, when you do pray, pray then like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you know it's all about God? Amen. It's all about our Father which is in heaven. It's all about His kingdom, His power, and His glory. We'll look at that as we go. But before I get to the final petition, here's what I want to remind us. I told you I want to just touch on the whole prayer as we go. I want to remind us that no matter what age we are or who we might happen to be, no matter how much money we have or what our socioeconomic status might be, no matter what side of the tracks we might live on, when we direct our prayers to our Father which is in heaven, or let me say when we direct our prayers properly to our Father which is in heaven, which is Jehovah God, we can all experience the same power, we can all experience the same miracles, we can all experience the same favor, the same blessings, the same anointing, the same promises in our lives because He is our Father. And what we have to remember is that we are all equal in His sight. He's not a a respecter of persons. We're all precious in His sight. And He loves every single one of us the same. Amen? You see, the reality is God hears the poor man's prayer as much as He hears the rich man's prayer. He hears the educated prayer as much as he hears the uneducated prayer. He hears the white man's prayer the same as he hears the black man's prayer. He hears the prayer of the women as much as he hears the prayer of men. He hears the young prayer the same as he hears the old prayer, church, or the prayer of the elderly. Because it's not who's praying that matters. It's who we are praying to instead. You see, it doesn't matter how old you are or what sex you might be or what side of the track you live on because prayer is not about necessarily the one who's praying. It's all about the one we are praying to. And who we are praying to is our Father which is in heaven. And I want to focus on that a little bit more because we need to understand in our prayer life it's all about who we're praying to. And who we're praying to is Jehovah God. You see, the reality is no matter what this world might think, 
no matter what society might believe or society might think, no matter what those around you might think or might believe, church, the reality is there is no other God but Jehovah who is in heaven. There is no other God but Jehovah who is seated in glory. There's no other God but Jehovah who sits on the throne, and that is our Father who is in heaven. What we need to realize is Buddha is not sitting on the throne tonight. Baal is not sitting on the throne tonight. And I know that a lot of people will cringe and get angry, but Allah is not sitting on the throne tonight. Jehovah God is the only one who is seated on the throne of glory, seated in the heights of heaven. And when we pray, that is who we are praying to. There is no other prophet and no other priest that has the right to sit on the throne of glory. It is Jehovah God who is our Father who is in heaven. And it's why Jesus starts the prayer the way he does. Because he wants us to understand it's not about who's praying. It's all about who we're praying to. And who we are praying to is our Father which is in heaven or Jehovah God. What we have to realize is that there's no other God but Jehovah who's worthy to be hallowed. That's why Jesus says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's no other God but Jehovah who is worthy to be hallowed or hallowed, who is worthy to be praised or worthy to be worshipped or worthy to be high and lifted up. Amen? There is no other God. But our Father which is in heaven, whose kingdom will come and whose will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, church. Every other kingdom, what we have to understand is that every other kingdom will fail. Every other king will fall. Every other God, every other prophet, every other individual besides Jehovah God will fail and they will fall. But what we have to understand is that the kingdom and the government of Jehovah and the kingdom and the government of our Father which is in heaven, it will never fail and it will never fall and it will never come to an end. The Bible tells us that the government will be placed on the shoulders of Jesus and of his government, there shall be no end. There's no other God that can make that claim except Jehovah God. I want us to understand as we look at the whole prayer, there's no other God but Jehovah, who is our Father which is in heaven, who has the power to give us this day our daily bread. I hope you know as well as I do that there's no other God but Jehovah who can bring manna from heaven or who can bring water from a rock, or who can cause quail to come to the middle of the wilderness from the four corners of the earth. There's no other God but Jehovah that has the power to multiply a couple fish and multiply a couple loaves of bread. There's no other God but our Father who is in heaven that can take a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal and cause it to last an entire year during the time of famine. There's no other God but our Father which is in heaven that can fill an empty cupboard, that can fill an empty house, that can satisfy the the hungry and fill the, the, the hungry with all good things. There is only one true provider, and that is Jehovah Jireh. And he's the only one that's worthy of our praise. 
There's no other God but our Father which is in heaven who can forgive us our trespasses. Notice I'm going through the Lord's Prayer. There's no other one but the name of of Jesus or Jehovah that has the power to wipe away the crimson stain of sin that is in our lives and make us white as snow. There's no other God but Jehovah or our Father who is in heaven that has the power to take away the sins of the world or or fully pardon us from our sins. There's no other God but Jehovah, and He is our Father who is in heaven. And finally, there's no other God but our Father which is in heaven who has the power to deliver us from evil. There's no one but our Father which is in heaven that can, that can deliver us from the fowler or, or deliver us from the foe or deliver us from the snares or the tactics or the schemes of the enemy that roams about like a roaring lion. There's no other God but Jehovah that can protect you from the evils of this world and from the evils of the enemy. And it's why every single day we must be willing to pray this prayer Uh, The whole prayer, but as far as our protection goes, we need to be able to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But before I even go there, before we talk about that last petition, I have to go back to the previous petition. And that was, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I want to teach you a little bit, and if I preach, I'll preach. Amen? But I got to go back to the the previous petition, forgive us of our trespasses, because the reality is we cannot or should not pray, deliver us from evil until we pray, forgive us of our sins. You see, you must pray, forgive me of my sins before you pray, deliver me from evil. The reality is we must pray before we pray, deliver us from evil. Our hearts have to be delivered from evil. And we can't pray deliver us from evil until our hearts have been broken over the evil that might reside there. You see, the reality is the Bible tells me that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. And who can know it? You see, the reality is you have a wicked heart and I have a wicked heart. We have a heart that has the propensity to be filled with evil. And the truth is what Jesus is teaching us is that before we ask our Father in heaven to protect us from the evils of this world, we have to first recognize the evil that dwells in our heart. And we have to say, God, deliver me from this evil before we ask him to deliver us from that evil. Because the reality is if we're living in sin, if we're walking in our own ways, if we're doing what is evil in the sight of God instead of what is pleasing to God, he will not hear the prayer, deliver me from evil. So the very first thing we have to do is say, forgive me of the evil that's in my heart. And then we're free to ask him to deliver us from the evil that would try to attack us every single day. You see, the reality is there's a lot of individuals that are overcome by evil because they've not overcome the evil in their heart. They've not asked God to forgive me of my sins, and it's why they're defeated every single day out there in the world. They're overcome because they have not given God access to their heart and say, God, forgive me or search me or cleanse me or know me and see if there be any evil way within me. And if there is, forgive me of this evil and then protect me from that evil. Amen. This is what God and Jesus is teaching us in this passage of Scripture. The truth is it must be from a place of brokenness and repentance and a a place of humility that we pray deliver us from evil. 
It's from that place where we have recognized our own sin and our own guilt and our own grievances towards God that that we are able to pray, deliver us from evil. We cannot expect to be delivered from the evil one when we are doing evil ourselves. We cannot be expect to be delivered from the evils of this world if we are doing evil ourselves. Listen, you know as well as I do, you can't go to the bar and then ask God to keep you from getting drunk. You can't go to a strip club and ask God to keep you from lusting. You can't take drugs and then ask God to keep you from overdosing. You can't sleep around with every Joe Doe or Jane Doe and then pray that you don't get pregnant or some kind of STD. The reality is you can't allow evil to lurk in your heart or I can't allow evil to lurk in my heart. I can't walk in sin and you can't walk in sin and then ask God to protect you from the evil one, church. Because 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11 says, For the one who desires life, the one who desires to love, The one who desires to see good days, they must turn away from evil and they must do good, church. So the reality is we must make sure that our hearts are right and we must make sure that our hearts are clean and we must make sure that our hearts are repentant and humble before we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There must be, like I said, a self-examination of what's going on in here before we ask God to deal with what's going on out there. You know as well as I do that this world is filled with evil and we all want to be protected from that evil. We all want to be kept from the things that are happening like they're happening in Baltimore or happening in Ferguson or happening in any other place. We want to be protected from that evil. Amen, church? I don't want the evil one to be able to come and steal, kill, and destroy my life. But the key that we have to understand and realize is that I must first take care of the evil that's in here. Amen, church? We must pray for, 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 for forgiveness of evil before we ask to be delivered from evil. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Jesus said. Please note how he wrote this. He said, forgive us of our sins or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there's a reason that Jesus put that word and in there. It wasn't separate. What he was teaching us is that we cannot separate them one from another. That if we pray one, we must pray the other. That if we're going to pray for God's protection, that we must pray for his pardon as well. He linked them together. It didn't just stop and list them separately. He said, when you pray for forgiveness, then you can pray for protection. And if you look back even further to the, to the petition before that, Jesus actually said, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And he didn't stop there. He said, and... Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he kept that prayer going because he was wanting us to understand you cannot separate one from the other. Again, my point is this. If you're going to pray for God's provision and God's bread, you have to pray for pardon as well. He said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. You can't pray for provision unless you're willing to pray for pardon. 
God won't give you all the bread that you need if, again, you're living in sin and not willing to pray for God's pardon in your life. And the same thing goes for our protection. We cannot ask God to protect us. We cannot ask God to surround us. We cannot ask God to keep us from evil. We can ask. Doesn't mean he'll do it. But if we ask him to pardon us and forgive us and examine us and and make ourselves right with God, then we have the authority to ask him to protect us. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. One of the first things that we have to understand about this petition, there's a lot of confusion amongst a lot of people about what God really meant or Jesus really meant when he said, and lead us not into temptation. But what we really have to understand about this petition is that God never leads us into temptation. God never tempts us to sin. God doesn't tempt us to turn his back on him. God doesn't tempt us to lust. He he doesn't tempt us to look at pornography. He doesn't tempt us to take drugs. He doesn't tempt us to get drunk. He doesn't tempt us to go have sex outside of wedlock. He doesn't tempt us to go have adultery. He doesn't tempt us to gossip or lie or cheat or steal. God does not tempt us to do anything that is evil. He won't tempt us away from his will. And he won't tempt us towards evil, church. So we have to understand what he means when he says, lead us not into temptation. James 1.3 says, and remember, when you are being tempted, okay, and here's what we need to understand about this. And when you are being tempted, because the reality is every single one of us will be tempted. You will not go through life without being tempted. You will not go through one day without being tempted, either tempted to compromise or tempted to, to cheat or tempted to lust or tempted to look at something or tempted to listen something or tempted to say something or tempted to lose your temper. Every day we will be tempted. And this is what James teaches us. He says, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. For God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone to do wrong either. God will never tempt you. And the thing is, I'm amazed sometimes when I've done counseling. People are almost... Careful how I say it. In a marriage relationship. And they have the audacity to tell one of our our pastors that God led someone else into their life. God sent another woman. God sent another man. A married couple. And yet they dare to say, God, let another. God will not tempt you away from his will. God will not tempt you to do anything that grieves him. God will not tempt you to do anything that upsets him. God will not do anything that is contrary to his word. He will not tempt us towards evil, church. And we need to understand where that temptation comes from. It comes from the evil one. It comes from the world, church. The truth is God will never tempt us to do what he despises. He won't tempt the drunk with drink. He will not tempt the smoker with cigarettes. He won't tempt the gossip with secrets. He won't tempt the greedy with money. He won't tempt the lustful with the pleasures of this world because God tempts no one. You can look at it this way. A good king and a just king. And a righteous king will never tempt his subjects to break his own laws. 
And God, who is our Father in heaven, God, who is the one good God, the one, or the one good king, he's the only just king, he's the only righteous king, church, he will never tempt us to break his laws either. So we have to keep that in mind when we're trying to understand what this means when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. We must clearly understand that God will never lead us into temptation, the temptation that we're thinking about, church. But it's exactly why we must pray, deliver us from evil and keep us from temptation, because every day we will be tempted. Every day the enemy will try to get you to loosen up. He'll try to get you to slack off. He'll try to get you to sleep in spiritual. He'll try to get you to compromise. He'll try to get you to stay home from church. He'll try to get you to not go to the prayer closet. He'll try to tempt you to look at this and say that and listen to this so that he can corrupt you. Listen, so that he can corrupt you. So that your heart can become filled with evil, so that God won't listen to you or can't listen to you in order to keep you from his evil. That's the way the devil works. He fills your heart with corruption so that God can't protect you. That's the, that's what he wants because here's the deal. We have to remember that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the devil can't destroy you when God is protecting you. But God can't protect you when your heart is filled with sin. And when your heart is filled with compromise. And your heart is filled with wickedness. That is the tactic and the schemes of the devil. And that's why the Bible tells us do not be ignorant of how the devil works. He will tempt you so God can't protect you. And when God can't protect you, guess what happens? We are destroyed. Our marriage is destroyed and our household is destroyed and our future is destroyed or our kids might be destroyed or our ministry might be destroyed. We must be willing to pray, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us so we can pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the wicked one. Deliver us from the evil one, church. This is all part of what Jesus and the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. And it's why we must make that part of our everyday prayer. Understand when Jesus prays, lead us not into temptation. In the original language, he's really saying something more like keep us away from temptation. Because he won't lead us into temptation. And I don't want to get too teachy or theological, but this is the only petition where he uses a negative to emphasize a positive. Every other request or petition that Jesus makes in here is a positive. It's asking for something. This one he's asking against something. Lead us not into temptation. So without again getting too teachy, there is a Hebrew and a Greek word that, that that defines that kind of language where you use a negative to emphasize a positive. So if we're to follow the same formula or form of Jesus' prayer, we have to look at this text in, on the flip side. So instead of just saying, lead us not into temptation, we're actually asking God to lead us somewhere else. We're asking Him to lead us on the path of righteousness. We're asking Him to lead us on the path of, of, of goodness and, and the path of, uh, of righteousness. That's what we're actually asking here. But in, in reality, He's actually saying, or more uh, understandable for us, is to keep us away from temptation. His prayer can actually be better understood this way. Lord, as you lead me through life, 
as you guide me, as you direct me according to your will. Remember the prayer that we've prayed already. We've already prayed before we get to this part. We have already prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We have already yielded ourselves to His will. We've already asked God to direct our lives according to His will. So we're really saying, as, as I make my way through this day, as I make my way through this week, as I make my way through life or make my way through this year, lead me away from temptation and deliver me from evil. We're really saying, lead me in the right path is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Listen to me. If we don't pray this, we will always go down the wrong path. If you and I don't make this part of our daily prayer, God, lead me in the path of righteousness. Lead me in the right way. Lead me away from certain things and lead me into certain things. Guess what? You will end up going down the path of destruction. And some of us have been there, church, because we've not allowed the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Jesus is saying to the Father, let us not be overcome by temptation. Let us not wander into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the Greek, the word temptation that's used here actually has a second meaning as well. And it can mean trial or test or tribulation. This is another way that we can look at this passage. So here, Jesus is also giving us permission to ask God to keep us from trials to keep us from tribulations, to keep us from storms, to keep us from uh, trying circumstances or struggles in our life. Because, listen, what did Jesus pray when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when He was in the midst of a trial, when He was in the midst of sorrow, when He was in the midst of agony? What did Jesus pray to His Father? He said, if this cup, if this trial... If this tribulation, if this test could pass from me, let it be. But nevertheless, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And what that's telling me is that it's okay for me every day to say, God, lead me not into trials. Lead me not into storms. Lead me not into circumstances or situations that have the power to overthrow me. We can pray that prayer, church. Listen, that doesn't mean God will keep us from it. Because again, remember, we've already surrendered our will. We, we can say, God, lead us not into that trial. Lead us not into that storm. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Because the reality is God will take you into some storms or allow you to go into some storms to mature you, to sharpen you, to teach you, to rescue you from a certain direction that you're going. He will let storms come into our life when we're going down the wrong road in order to turn us around and get us going in the right path. But listen, we should still have the courage or understanding that I'm allowed to pray. God, lead me not into tests and lead me not into trials. But if I do, I trust that you're going to go there with me. If you lead me in that path, I know that you won't leave me and I know you won't forsake me. I know you won't abandon me. That I'll go, when I go through the fire, you'll be there. And when I go through the flood, you'll be there. But still lead me not into trials and tribulations, church. Lead me not in that path. It's okay to pray that prayer, church. I think the reality is there's a lot of individuals that are going through trials that they don't need to go through. 
There's individuals that are going through tests and tribulations that they don't need to. They're going through struggles and storms that they don't need to because they're not praying this portion of prayer. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Lead me not into the trials today. Lead me not into these areas of difficulty today, but deliver me from the schemes that the devil has set before me. Individuals with no prayer life. Individuals that fail to make these petitions to God, their life will be filled with struggles. Their life will be filled with ups and downs and back and forth and whoa and whoa. Because they're not been, they've not been willing to pray this prayer. Lead me not into trials today. I don't know about you, but I pray that every day. I pray over my family and I pray, God, lead us not into difficulty. Lead us not into the, to, to the arms of evil. Lead us not into the, the trials that have the, you know, the, the, the potential to destroy us. Keep us safe, God. That's, that should be part of our daily prayer. But we should also be willing to rest in the fact that if that trial comes and if that storm comes, that we know God is there. But we also have to be willing to go back and say, if I find myself in a trial, if I find myself in a tribulation, if I find myself in a test, guess what? I hope you're doing it. I hope the first thing you do when you find yourself in a trial or tribulation is to examine your heart and see if there's any wicked way within you, because that could be keeping you from God's protection. So we need to say, God, search me. Reveal to me in the midst of my trial and tribulation if there's anything wicked in me. And if there is, forgive me so you can protect me. Amen. This is what Jesus is teaching us in this passage of Scripture. Now, I know theologically it can be hard for a lot of people to understand, so I'm not going to get too theological with it. But what I do want to point out is the most important part that I want you to understand about this particular petition or this verse are the first two words which are lead us. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He was saying, guide us or direct us. And what that does, church, is it reminds us that we should always be dependent upon his leading and not our own. That we should always be dependent on his leading and not man's leading. His leading and not society's leading. His leading and not Hollywood's leading. His leading and not Wall Street's leading. His leading, church, and not the leading of this world or the of darkness. What he's teaching us is when we pray, lead us, he's reminding us that we should always be dependent on the leading of our Father, which is in heaven. It reminds us, church, that we are to acknowledge him in all of our ways so that he can what? So that he can direct our paths, so that he can lead us in the way of everlasting So that he can lead us on the path of righteousness, church. So that he can lead us and guide us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. David cried in Psalm 139, 24, lead me in the way of everlasting. And it's what Jesus was praying as well. Please understand this petition. It begins with us giving God permission to lead us. 
It's asking that he lead us on the path of righteousness instead of the path of evil. We're asking him to lead us on the path of, of goodness and righteousness instead of the path of corruption or the path of wickedness or the path of evil or the path of unrighteousness. We're giving and asking We're asking Him to lead us and we're giving Him permission to lead us in the path that He believes is best for us. There is a way which seems right unto man, or many the Bible says, but its end leads only to destruction. And it's why we have to every day say, God, lead us. Because if we're left to our own devices, if we're left to our own wisdom, if we're left to leaning on our own skills or our own understanding, we will always take the wrong path, or most of the time take the wrong path. And we find ourselves in a place of difficulty and ruin. Because we did not say, God, lead us. Because we did not give Him permission to lead us. You see, what you need to understand is every day that should be our heart. God, lead me in the way of everlasting like David said. Lead us in the path of righteousness for Your name's sake so that You can be glorified and You can be high and lifted up so that I might be a testimony of Your glory and a testimony of Your goodness. Lead us, God. That's what we have to be willing to pray every day. Because if we don't, guess what? We will, we will walk down an evil path. How many of you know God will never lead you down the wrong path? He will never lead you into evil. He will never lead you into harm. He will need, never leave you into destruction. He will never lead you where He will not be with you. And He will never lead you where He will not improve you. And He will never lead you where He will not strengthen you. Where He will not sharpen you or change you or empower you. He will never lead you into a place that will harm you. And here's what we have to understand. If we don't pray this prayer, we'll lead ourselves or we'll be led by the world or we'll be led by our impulses. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in James said the same thing. He's not the one that leads us astray. He says he says we're led astray by our own lusts. He's led astray. We're led astray. God don't lead us astray. I'm led astray by my own lusts. I'm led astray by my own desires. I'm led astray by my own impulses and my own wants and my own will and my own evil fleshly longings. I'm led away by my carnality, James is saying. God will never lead me into a path of unrighteousness. And it's why we must pray this prayer, lead us not in a particular direction, God, but lead me to glory, lead me into your presence, lead me to heaven, lead me in the path of righteousness, lead me. This is what we have to understand, church. Unless God orders our steps, unless God goes before us, we will end up in the pig pens of life, church. In the Greek... The word lead us that is used here, it means to stand in front of us. When we're saying lead us, when we pray every day, lead us, you know what you're saying? You're saying this. Come here, brother. When you pray lead us, you are telling God to stand in front of me. Stand in front of me. When he's in front of me, guess where I'm at? I'm behind him. This is where we get in trouble. We put God back in there and we say, okay, God, lead us. Lead me. Lead me. Protect me. Help me. 
Show me the way. Well, he is back there. So what we have to do is every day we have to say, lead me. Stand in front of me. Thank you, brother. Show me the way. Order my footsteps. Order my path. Show me the way to everlasting. Show me the way to anointing. Show me the way to blessing. Show me the way to favor. Show me the way to forgiveness. You see, unless you put God in front of you, even when you're praying for forgiveness, God has to be in front of you because He's the one that will lead you to repentance. So often we even put God behind us when we're praying for repentance. And that's why we can't find a a freedom from guilt or shame or condemnation. Because we've never asked Him to lead us, to stand in front of us. And we've never been willing to say, okay, God, you lead, I'll follow. That's what this prayer is all about. It's all about saying, God, you lead and I'll follow. But we get into a mess when we say, God, I'll lead and you follow. I'll go where I want, but God protect me along the way. I'll go where I want, but God provide for me along the way. I'll go where I want, but you meet my needs along. You understand what I'm saying? That's how so many of us live our Christian life. We ask for provision. We ask for help. We ask for blessing. We ask for bread. We ask for food. We ask for forgiveness. But, but we're, we're, we're asking for it in front of God instead of God being in front of us. So when Jesus said, lead me not into temptation, or he tells us to pray that prayer, lead me not in this particular direction, we are giving God the right to stand in front of us and order our every footstep. And when he orders our footsteps, guess where we end up in a place of blessing? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to start winding this down and pulling it all together. And if they want to start coming to the music, we're at about quarter after. Here's what I want us to understand. Is that every petition that we pray, every petition that we've looked at so far, including the last one, it demonstrates an attitude of the heart. Every petition demonstrates the condition of our heart or the desires of our heart. Because how many of you know from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? So the petitions that we make to God demonstrate the abundance of what's in our heart. It demonstrates the condition of our heart. Guess what? If all you do is grumble and complain to God, you're revealing the condition of your heart. But when we are willing to say, uh, hallowed be thy name, we are revealing the condition of our heart. And that condition or that the attitude of our heart is to set him high and to set him above. It's to set him apart and to set him uh, above us and in control of us. When, when, we, when we say, hallowed be thy name, it's reflecting the attitude of our heart, which is to worship him and adore him and, and to magnify him, church. It's a genuine desire to see God exalted and high and lifted up in our lives. That's why we pray that prayer. It demonstrates that condition of our heart. When we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It demonstrates the attitude and the condition of our heart as well. We're demonstrating a genuine desire to have God's will accomplished in our lives and God's kingdom to be established in our lives and God's government to have rule and reign over our lives. When we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's demonstrating a humble heart that's willing to say, God, you're in charge. When we pray later, lead us not into temptation. It's very similar. We are demonstrating our willingness, the willingness of heart to let God be up front and us in back. 
to let Him be exalted, to, to, to make ourselves less so He can become more, church. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it's revealing the condition of our heart, which is one of dependency. God, I need you. God, I can't survive without you. I trust you for my provision. I trust you for my bread. I trust you for every need that I have. When we are willing to pray that part of the prayer, it's demonstrating the condition of our heart. When we pray, forgive us of our trespasses. And as we forgive those who trespass against us, again, it is demonstrating or revealing the condition of our heart. And this heart is, is genuinely broken. This heart genuinely desires to be free from sin and cleansed from sin. And we demonstrate a desire for God's mercy and grace to be applied to our lives. You see, because God will not turn away the broken and the contrite heart. We have to demonstrate that to God. You see, what I'm trying to explain to you is that when we go to God in prayer, if we're demonstrating the wrong heart, He can't respond. When we're demonstrating the wrong heart, He can't bless, He can't provide, He can't protect. When we go to God proud, when we go to God haughty, when we go to God stubborn, when we go to God without faith, without believing, without trust, it ties His hands and He cannot provide for us. Jesus is teaching us not just poetic words. He's teaching us what the condition of our heart needs to be when we pray to God so that God can hear us and God can respond. Amen? How many of you want God to respond to your prayers? Then we need to make sure that we have the right attitude and condition of our heart as well. So what we have to understand is the final petition demonstrates to our Father which is in heaven a desire to be kept from all of the things in this world that have the power to draw us away from God. We're saying, I care enough, God, about you and my relationship with you. That, that I'm praying this. When we pray this, we're saying, God, I care. I care enough about my walk and I care enough about my relationship. I care enough about all of those things. I, I, I want to be kept from the evil that can keep me from you. I want to be kept from the evil that might grieve you and might bring you sorrow. I want to be kept from the things that we've just sought forgiveness over. You see, when you ask for forgiveness of a sin... You've got to ask God to keep you again from that sin, to keep you from wandering back into that evil place or that wicked place or that place of compromised church. It demonstrates a willingness to let God lead and to stand in front and us behind for him to lead and for us to follow. How many of you here tonight and willing to say, God, I want you to take the lead in my life and I'm willing to follow. I just want you to stand to your feet. Amen. So we got a few minutes and here's how I'm going to end. When we are willing to pray all of these petitions and we get to the end, what we are saying is when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're demonstrating a willingness for God to be where he belongs. And that's in front of us and not behind us. I don't want to go through my entire Christian life and I don't want you to go through your entire Christian life with God trying to keep up with you. We need to keep up with God. Amen. When he goes to the left, we go to the left. We sing it. When he goes to the right, we go to the right. When he says go, I go. When he says stop, stop. When he says run, run. When he says jump, jump. You understand? This is what we're asking God to do. Because all of the petitions before this one 
are meaningless. They're meaningless. It's why he saves this one to the end. They're meaningless unless we are willing to put God up front. To say, you belong right there, God, right in front of me. My will belongs behind your will. My wants belong behind, behind your wants. My desires belong behind your desires. My wishes behind your wishes. My thoughts behind your thoughts. You understand what I'm saying? This is what this prayer really means. None of this prayer matters or means anything if we're not willing to say, God, lead me. So if you're here tonight and you're willing to say, God, lead me and I'll follow. Is that you tonight? Amen. I'm going to pray, but I want to close with this. I also want us to understand that when we pray, deliver us from evil, there may be an evil that we need to be delivered from. There may be some people here tonight that need to be delivered from some form of evil. Guess what? Jealousy is evil. Envy is evil. Anger is evil. Uh, uh, You know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of... Those are all evil too. But a little thing can be an evil thing. I might need to be delivered from fear. I might need to be delivered from the evil of, of depression. I might need to be delivered from the, the evil of anxiety. How many? All of those things are evil because they don't glorify God. So what we also have to say is if we're here tonight, God, I need to be delivered from something. I need to be delivered from whatever it might be then I want you to put that before God as well. If you want to come to the altar, you can come to the altar. We'll pray for you if you need deliverance. Otherwise, as I pray, you pray. But let's first examine our heart, ask God for forgiveness. Then we ask for His protection. And then we ask for Him to lead us and guide us and keep us. Amen.